The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. And we've been listening to President Trump answer questions from the press uh, following a facility tour in Austin, Texas, where the MacBook Pro is being made. Uh, Apple also announced earlier this morning a billion-dollar investment in a new campus that will break ground in Austin, Texas, will house 5,000 employees, up to 15,000. President Trump answering some key questions regarding uh, the U.S.-China trade talks. Number one, will Apple be exempted from the tariffs December 15th? The president clearly said we are looking at that right now. It would be unfair to uh, put tariffs on on Apple when Samsung doesn't deal with such tariffs. And he was also asked whether or not uh, there will be a phase one deal before the end of the year. We had gotten the Reuters report earlier today saying that the phase one part of the deal would be pushed off until next year. The president simply said that China um, would far rather make a deal uh, than versus the U.S. Uh, for more on, on all that was said and what happened today at that facility, let's get to Eamon Javers. He's on the ground in Austin, Texas. Eamon. Look, a visibly angry President Trump just there denouncing the media, denouncing the impeachment process, the frustration visible on his face, the anger visible on his face. Uh, but in, in terms of Apple, the most significant thing the president did there was make that comparison to Samsung standing inside a plant that manufactures Apple products, uh, more or less reciting the argument that Tim Cook, Apple CEO, has made to the president in the past, which is you've got to treat us fairly vis-a-vis our foreign competitors. You can't tariff us if you're not going to tariff them. Uh, that's an argument the president has seemed receptive to over the past several months. Uh, he repeated it here. We couldn't see Tim Cook in the shot there, but you would imagine a smile on his face to hear the president say that inside a facility that's manufacturing some of his products. That may be an indication that the president is looking to do some kind of carve-out for Apple from any upcoming tariffs. Remember, that deadline of December 15th is looming here. That's the whole ballgame in terms of tariffs for Apple, because those iPhones manufactured in China will face significant tariffs coming back into the United States uh, if those duties go, if those tariffs go into place. The president possibly hinting there that he might be thinking about a carve-out for Apple. We'll have to wait and see uh, and get some more specifics here on what the president is planning. But he seemed to at least wink to the idea uh, that Apple might be getting some special consideration here because of the arguments that Tim Cook has been making. Yep. Uh, Eamon, thank you very much. Eamon Javers, live for us in, in Austin, Texas. It seems like most people are assuming that Apple will not be paying those tariffs, that there will, in fact, be a carve-out. That seems to be the assumption, as we've seen Apple's share price go much higher. But yeah, I mean, it's been a pretty incredible run. So I think people, I think the market's saying, you know, Apple will sort of figure out, the president and Apple will get together as they've alluded to here and they figure this out and they'll sort of be exempt from anything that goes forward on December 15th. We'll see. On the flip side of that, we can't control what the Chinese might do to Apple, right, and their borders. So, I mean, this thing has a long way to play out. Again, I've said it for a while, the market doesn't care, but I, I just don't see a trade deal happening in the foreseeable future. I think there's a term in cards, you're getting slow played when somebody, 
And I think that's exactly what's happening. I think we're getting slow played. Now, whether or not we're in better shape or they're in better shape, I don't even know if that matters at this point. I think both sides are dug in, and neither side wants to acquiesce. It was interesting to finally see the market reaction today. We actually had a market reaction to a negative trade headline, and I think that the markets have been fairly inured to sort of the ups and downs of volatility in, in these talks. Right. I mean, I think, and we've had a huge run in the market. So right. a tiny bit of a sell-off, not even, you know, a full 1%. Um, isn't really, it's not a really big move. I mean, to me, I think that we have a, just a hint of a taste of what that, I mean, we'll see December 15th, right? I think if tariffs go up, then I think we're going to see a fair amount of downside. So, uh, you know, I'm always long protection, bought more today. I, who knows, could go to zero. By the way, Apple's up a buck and a half on that little comment. Yeah, I mean, it would, it would be confirmation, right, of yep. what everybody's hoping for. Yeah. I mean, if we don't get a, a phase one deal by the end of the year or by December 15th, I agree. There's probably a 10, maybe 15 percent pullback in the S&P 500. Uh, but with re- regards to Apple, I mean, this stock is up 65 percent this year. Melissa, as you mentioned, the multiple has expanded significantly. And it's really all off the back of, you know, better than expected iPhone sales, right? Whereas I believe the focus should be more on wearables and services. They're high margin businesses. Everybody wants AirPods right now. That's a top of the list when it comes to holiday shopping right now. Um, in services, that's the recurring revenue, high margin stuff. So that's where the focus should be with regards to Apple. You, know, I you don't think it's there? I'm sorry to interrupt. You don't think the focus is on services? Well, I, I, I think mean, it is. I think the multiples have expanded recently because of better right, than right. expected numbers off the iPhone. I mean, the stock has just roared. I, I probably have to disagree with in terms of the iPhone because I don't think people... I think people have absolutely finally come to grips with the idea that the iPhone is now less than 50% of the revenue, right? So because of that, I think now that does bring in, because the, the iPhone, the new phone's great. Everybody thinks this thing is great. But I think the reality is the focus has moved over to what you said, which is services, wearables. That's where they're actually getting the margin. So I think we're going to continue to see the phone sales start to be less and less of the percentage of the revenue. And I think we're going to see the other side start to grow. And then it's AI. And then it's AR. And it's everything else that they are, are working towards. And we're talking about the credit card. All these different areas that Apple, the different tentacles, the, the, the verticals that we talk about all the time, those are the areas of growth. And I think that's what people have finally started to focus on. Isn't though, I mean, there had always been an argument that it's a flywheel effect, that you need you need the installed base you do. in order to have all of these other services and, and the ecosystem working. So isn't there a fine line? I mean, you can you can have revenues from the phone be less and less as a percentage of total revenues. You can have the install base stall but at some point, you need that. You still need that install base to at least stay steady. No question about it. In order it. for this, and, and I to think work. You, you keep that steady by coming up with newer, better. You know, everything we always see—the three-camera phone and all this stuff—that is what builds into that, Mel. In my opinion, but the reality is, we've got to focus on where are they growing, and that's where they're growing. They're growing in services. They're growing in wearables, and that's where the margins are for Apple. Yeah, and you see the lift in after-hour session uh, in shares of Apple up now by six tenths of a percent. Let's get more reaction to the president's comments on Apple. Bring in Dan Niles founding partner at Alpha One Capital Partners. Dan, great to have you with us. Good to be on, Melissa. Uh, let's say the president decided, you know what, we're, we are going to go ahead with the tariffs on December 15th and Apple won't have a carve-out. I'm wondering, you know, how much is at risk for the shares? Well, I mean, I think you got a taste of that last year, right? I mean, the stock went to all-time record highs in early October, 
And for some reason, investors seemed to convince themselves that Apple was immune to issues that everybody else they were discounting uh, to China. And then Apple came out pre-announced negatively the December quarter because Apple has a high teens percentage of revenues from China, and the stock got absolutely killed. And as you talked about earlier, the stock is up, I think, 67% year-to-date, but revenues are up 1% for this year, and earnings are up 1%. So that's all multiple expansion. And so if you end up back in the same situation as last year, I mean, right now the market is in this mode of fear of missing out. Apple's a big portion of people's indexes. Nobody wants to get left behind, and I think you've got a lot of people buying Apple because it's going up, much like last year. But that doesn't have a lot to do necessarily with fundamentals. And so to your point, I think you're going to have a, you'd have a massive correction in this name if you didn't end up with a tariff rollback on December 15th. And quite honestly, even if you do, you know, with the stock up as much as it is, the valuation, as you pointed out earlier in a segment, you know, it's at a nine-year high. So it's not like people aren't already playing this. And the risk-reward, to me at least, up here is not that great. I mean, we used to have a massive position in Apple earlier in the year. It's down to a very small position right now because as the stock's gone up, we've moved it into other positions that we think are much more interesting than Apple at these levels. What valuation should Apple have? Well, I mean, you know, valuation's always tricky, right? Because you look at this and you say, EPS is up 1% for the year, stock's up 67. And you and I both lived through the late 90s, right? Valuations can go from insane to outright stupid. So, you know, my feeling with Apple, when you've got their main market, which is iPhones, which are shrinking, or smartphones in general, why? Because every one of you sitting on that set has a smartphone. There's 5 billion people out of the 7 billion people in this world that have a smartphone. And it's a lot like PCs, right? PCs went through seven years of no growth. So with Apple, my view is that the multiple should be more in the mid-teens or a market multiple, not at a premium, because their major end market, there's no growth in it anymore because it's just saturated. Um, You had mentioned uh, that you've moved Apple money into other places in the market. What is your highest conviction position at this point? Well, it's, it's sort of related to Apple, and I think people, you know, get it confused. But I think when you look at next year, the biggest trend and why I think a lot of people will be buying uh, new phones next year is 5G. So what 5G does is it increases your data speed by about 10x. And I think one of the things that's going to come out of that is augmented reality features that are going to be very interesting. And so, you know, we own a company called Momentum that provides lasers that make that possible. Um, when Xilinx blew up um, and cut their forecasts um, just recently, um, we went in and bought that. They provide a lot of the, uh, the FPGA's, um, you know, semiconductor chips that make 5G base stations possible. And so that's another name that we got involved with. And then, you know, you're going to have that 5 you know, that 10x increase in data speeds is really going to continue to help drive cloud growth. So, you know, Amazon's a name we still like. They have $35 billion in revenues related to the cloud. It's still growing over 30% year over year. And the nice thing is those forecasts came down. We were short the stock into their quarter. When they said, you know, profitability is going to be way less, we, we bought it after that. Um, the one-day shipping stuff is going to be very good for them. And, you know, there's other chip names like Intel and NVIDIA also, um, which we're involved in. So I think there's a lot of really interesting ideas for next year right. that you can buy at much cheaper valuations. Intel at 13 times, Momentum at 13 times. You know, Apple's trading at 20 times. I'd rather buy those other names where there's a lot less hype. Dan, great to speak with you. Thanks for calling in. 
My pleasure, Melissa. Dan Isles of Alpha One Capital Partners. Xilinx, that's a guy, Dami name. Yeah, we talked about Xilinx. I mean, that's a pretty straight 5G play, and it's actually sold off a lot, as we've seen. I don't know exactly why some of their guidance has been sketched, obviously, the China situation. But I think Xilinx makes sense. Going back to Apple real quick. I mean, okay, you want to play the mid-teen multiple game. It's, it's traded there before, but it's an entirely different company than it was five years ago. Pete talks about this all the time. And you give them a market multiple off basically $15 that they're making next year, and you get to the $280 stock that we've talked about, and I think people on the street have given that the price target. I think that's what makes sense. So, you know, say what you want about multiples and where it should be trading. I think given their market mix... A 19 so there multiple should be in this a re-rating of the stock. I don't think that's what you've been yeah, saying. You agree. I agree. Also, I think to, to look where it's what it's done year to date is really a red herring. Remember where we were at the beginning of the year, right? right? Okay, so the multiple in Apple it was about 12 at the beginning of the year. So uh, it, it's not it, uh, just because it's up a lot from that to me isn't uh, enough to say you shouldn't own Apple because it's up so much. I agree with Key that mixed multiple is happening. All right, we got breaking news here on Hong Kong. Let's get to Elon Moy on Capitol Hill with all the details. Elon. Melissa, the House has now passed a package of bills intended to safeguard human rights in Hong Kong. Both of these bills passed with nearly unanimous support. The bills would ban the export of items like tear gas and stun guns to Hong Kong police. It would also require the State Department to certify annually that Hong Kong still qualifies for special trade privileges and also give the administration the ability to sanction individuals that violate human rights in Hong Kong. Now, the Senate has already passed its version of these bills, so now it would be up to President Trump to sign it. But I will point out that these bills did pass with veto-proof majorities now in both chambers. Back over to you. Elon, thank you. Elon Moy on Capitol Hill for us. Coming up, we'll go to Beijing uh, for some live reaction to this news on Hong Kong. Plus, the trade headline that rocked the markets today will get you the headlines live from Beijing. Target shares also bring the retailers back from the dead after yesterday's rout. The desk breaks down this trade. We're live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. Much more Fast Money right after this. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. The House just passed two bills in support of the Hong Kong protesters. CNBC's Eunice Yoon is live in Beijing with more on this story. Eunice. Thanks so much, Melissa. Well, I think the authorities here are going to wake up to what they would consider to be a very unpleasant development that happened in Congress. As you had said, the House just passed those two bills that are in support of Hong Kong protesters who have Beijing has repeatedly uh, labeled 
as terrorists. Uh, this move after the Senate passed its bill is really seen as one of the biggest signs of international support for the Hong Kong protesters and uh, something that uh, Beijing has been very, very upset about. Yesterday, the foreign ministry strongly condemned the Senate's move and described uh, what's been going on as America's cheap tricks. It also has been urging the U.S. to, uh, from Beijing's perspective, stay out of uh, Chinese affairs and also has been threatening countermeasures. Now, this all happens as the trade discussions are ongoing. There have been a lot of questions as to how Hong Kong is going to factor in. Uh, some of my sources here have said that they don't believe that uh, the um, issue is going to override the talks uh, just because from China's perspective and they believe from the U.S.'s perspective, both sides uh, don't want these issues to be linked. However, there are a lot of question marks, as you know, about what's going to happen now next with the phase one trade agreement. Um, there have been sources quoted by Reuters, um, who uh, has been quoting sources from um, close to the White House as saying that this deal could be pushed into next year, mainly because of uncertainty over a tariff rollback. The uh, um, uh, Reuters is saying that President Trump has apparently recognized that agreeing to a tariff rollback as Beijing demands um, might not be seen as positive for the Trump administration. So he apparently wants to have more concessions from the Chinese. Uh, but I could tell you that from the Chinese perspective, there is going to be a lot of pushback about that. Just based on my conversations yesterday with uh, several Chinese academics who are uh, who some of them who would advise policymakers, there's a feeling here in China that China is the one that has given up too much already and that they have been doing things such as purchasing um, agricultural products from the United States already. And from China's perspective, they feel that the Trump administration is the one that needs to make the next move in the form of a phase out of tariffs. Melissa? All right, Eunice, thank you. Eunice Yoon, live in Beijing for us. And speaking of trade, take a look at how uh, trade tensions rock stocks today. The Dow started off on a lower note. Then that trade hit headline hit around 1 p.m. Eastern time. You can see the sell-off uh, had intensified there. At that moment, the Dow was having its worst day for... I think this year, no, this month, excuse me. Uh, stocks recovered a little bit by the end of the t today's session, but a potential delay to phase one obviously took its toll. Plus, time is running out before tariffs on $156 billion of Chinese goods take effect on December 15th. So with phase one in limbo, what do you do? And it's interesting because Eunice had specifically said both sides, the U.S. side, the Chinese, they don't want to link these two issues, Hong Kong and trade, together. So it sounds like they might be on the same page, but I know on the call today, you guys were linking the two left and yeah. right. How can, I don't know how they can not, right? This is a very big voice, the U.S., mm -hmm. right, coming forward with this. It's interesting that Trump seemed to have bilateral, bipartisan support on both the trade deal and this, knowing that this could potentially be, you know, a thorn in China's side and cause difficulties for the trade deal. I, I, I don't know how it cannot have an effect. To me, it adds another element of risk. Yeah, so, um, I mean, the longer we wait to get a trade deal done, the more difficult it's going to become for us to hit the $181 consensus earnings target for next year on the S&P, right? In my opinion, we need to have a full trade deal done in order for us to hit those beyond numbers. Beyond phase one? Beyond phase one, and it probably needs to be done somewhere around the end of the first quarter because it's going to take a little while for the companies to actually generate the earnings that they need. So they'll really be 
loaded towards the back half of the year. Right? At this rate, I would think that you don't think that we will hit that number on the S on S&P earnings then. I mean, if you're thinking that we need a full trade deal by the end of the first quarter, and here we are not even making much progress on phase one, and it's yeah. practically December, I mean, that's that would be really optimistic on Correct. your part, Mark, yes. to think full trade deal end of the first quarter. Right. So if it doesn't happen, then we're looking at 172 to 175. So those expectations are going to come way down. And all I'm saying is that in order for us to hit those numbers, right. I do believe that we have to get a full deal done, not just a phase one. Obviously, phase one is the first step and it's an important sure. step. But I think we got to get through phase one so that we can start looking at a more comprehensive. We got to get through phase one. We got to get to phase one. And yeah. that, that's been part of the problem. <laughs> right. I think the most interesting thing, Mel, real quick, would be how come why, why is volatility still around thirteen or less? Doesn't that shock you a little bit, you, considering you tell the day? Us, with everything that's yeah. happening? Well, I would I would say that it, that people aren't as freaked out as all of the quote unquote media has been making it out to be in terms of these deals. I think they realize things are going to get kicked. They're going to get kicked. They're going to get kicked. We've seen it happen many times before. And it's a matter of they, look, the reaction was strong right out of the gate today. The second we heard that news, hey, phase one, it looks like they're backing up. But quite honestly, it looked like people just said, you know what? This is just going to keep on moving for, forward for us. You have to say what you want. I mean, the Trump administration has done a masterful job yeah. in speaking to the market. And, you know, here we are. The S&P is effectively at all time highs in a situation where March is when this started. We're in mid-November now. Yeah. Tariffs are three weeks away. And to Pete's point, with the 13 VIX, the market saying, you know what? We don't really care. All right. We got much more fast money straight ahead. Here's what's coming up next. Attention, mall shoppers. One billionaire investor just made a big bet on the future of retail. And later, riding high, this marijuana stock lighting it up on the back of a big update. Stick with us. Fast Money is back after this quick break. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. Take a look at shares of Target soaring nearly 15% after reporting a blowout quarter. The company crushing earnings expectations and raising guidance in a big way. Target has been hitting the mark all year long. The stock is now up more than 83%. It's added nearly $30 billion in market cap, and it's sitting at fresh all-time highs. But has it come too far too fast? Target started the year, get this, with a forward multiple of 11 times earnings. It's now at more than 18 times. So is Target getting too pricey to touch, or is the valuation fair? And I feel like we've been having this conversation repeatedly with various stocks in the market that are the winning stocks. They perform, and they go even higher. And you have to ask this question to yourself. 
Is that valuation still justified? Yeah, well, Pete can wax poetic on this because he's been talking about it for a while. But one of the things I know we've said it for months and, you know, I can hear myself saying if you love Walmart at 23, you have to love Target at 13, Mm -hmm. at 15, at 16. And now here we are with probably a market multiple. So to answer your question, look, I can understand why you'd be inclined to take money off the table given a run, but I still think there's more room in terms of valuation. And you look at this quarter quickly, gross margins crushed it. Operating margins were 5.4%, much better than the street was looking at. A year ago, 4.6%. And inventories for this quarter down, were down 8% year over year. That means basically, that in my opinion, margins will be better next quarter. So although the stock has had a huge run, you, you know, Walmart at 23, maybe Target doesn't deserve that. But in my opinion, certainly deserves 20, and that gets you to 135-ish. Karen, what's your take? Yeah, I think, I mean, the, again, we get to that the market multiple beginning of the year, way too, way too cheap for so many things. But they have executed so solidly. I mean, what they reported today, you, it was like a pinball of just hitting great numbers, you know, whether it was same store sales, margins, really important. And uh, so they deserve to have this much higher multiple. Should it should it be a market multiple? To me, it's better than a market stock, right? The growth sure. is there. Yeah. The earnings leverage is there. I mean, and and the bar was high after Walmart, right? So the bar was high, and you you guys might remember Dwight Stones. They jumped over this bar that was already <laughs> so high. It's high impressive. He's the only high jumper I know. Well, no, Dick Fosbury, of course, was the other high jumper. He was of the Fosbury (laughs) flop. It's the only high jumper I know. And he was an announcer. Did a great job for many years. Yeah, you know a high jumper off the top of your head. So we cleared this bar. They did a tremendous job. But I'm Pete's bit. But here's the question. And you touched on it. I mean, should it be worth as much as Walmart? Because we're sort of in that range here. So if you wanted to go to a market multiple, fine, that's a couple turns higher. Right. Um, and then from that point, it's a few more turns to Walmart. I don't think it should be worth as much as, as Walmart. So, um, you know, what we're seeing right now is that the consumer is still strong, but I do believe that there are some chinks in the armor. The consumer seems to be slowing a little bit. So I'd much rather be in a company like Walmart that has that's more of a staple, right? They've got over 50 percent of their business coming from groceries, which I like when you need to be a little more defensive. But look, kudos to Target. I wish we caught this one. We missed it. The stock's up 80, 90 percent. They're doing a great job bridging the gap between in-store sales and e-commerce. I mean, they were the first ones to really embrace rather than fight head-to-head with Amazon and allow in-store returns. And what separates them from the Kohl's of the world is people would walk into Kohl's, return their stuff, and walk right back out the door. People are walking into Target, returning their stuff, and they're staying, right? And they're buying stuff, which is good. Mr. Minnesota, I can't leave you out of this discussion. No, I've loved this stock for many years now. I think Brian Cornell's been the right guy, right time. And the investments that they have done, uh, this is where I push back on what you were just saying. You said 50% is from grocery. You like that. That's no margin. I mean, what I like about Target is it's only 20% of their revenues. And the rest of their revenues, they're different areas. And the private label brands give them the opportunity to have even better margins. Ship was an incredible buy. Cost them $550 million. Meanwhile, Walmart has spent 18 to $19 billion. Should it be worth more than Walmart? Oh, Every absolutely it should. They have more growth. They, absolutely. They have better growth. They've, they're much smaller, so there's a lot more nimbleness. There's a lot of reasons why I think Target should be well ahead of them P.E.-wise. And that's been the story since not only the beginning of the year, but for the last two or three years, in my opinion. All right. Coming up, Icon's big bet against the malls. One analyst explains whether the wager will pay off. Plus, 
Hot stocks on fire as Bank of America gets bullish on one cannabis name in particular. We'll tell you what it is and why it could be the next smoking hot opportunity. Stick around. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out Tiffany's jumping after hours on some new information on LVMH's bid for the company. Let's get to Rahel Solomon back at headquarters with the latest. Rahel. Hi, Melissa. Yeah, so it looks like talks between French luxury group LVMH, Louis Vuitton, at Hennessy, and U.S. retailer Tiffany's could be heating up. Shares of Tiffany jumping there, almost 3.4% there, on a Reuters report that LVMH has now gotten access to the jeweler's confidential books after it raised its offer to 130 per share. So you may recall that Tiffany's reportedly believed the original all-cash bid of 120 per share was too low. That valued the company at about $14.5 billion. They apparently wanted 140 per share. So our own David Faber has reported that LVMH has been eyeing Tiffany's for at least two years. And for LVMH, which is home to brands like Christian Dior and Louis Vuitton, the acquisition would increase its exposure to U.S. shoppers and also enhance its jewelry portfolio, which is one of the fastest growing areas in luxury. But in 2018, accounted for only 7% of earnings for LVMH. Tiffany's, meantime, has struggled with sales and has also suffered weakness in Asia. And LVMH thinks that Tiffany's needs to spend more on reinventing and marketing its brands and feels that can only happen if they are a division of LVMH. So, according to this report, negotiations continue. There is still no guarantee that this deal will happen. But again, this development indicating that it may and investors seem to like the news. Melissa, I'll send it back to you. Rahel, thank you. Rahel Solomon at headquarters. Karen, it seems like a good step, a step forward. Absolutely. I mean, I'm long Tiffany. I think that the most important point was, well, one, that they made the bid and that the bid was made public. The second most important thing was when Tiffany said, we think it's too low, which is very different than we're not for sale, right? So we know what they are. It's just a question of price. And I think, you know, you don't get a chance to buy a unique asset like this very often, right? At some point, I think any of the other bidders probably realize they're not going to be able to compete uh, with LVMH. I think I'm thinking it's 135 or higher, and I do think that we get a deal. I think LVMH, if you want to own this asset, they know they have to pay up for it, and I don't think 130 is enough. All right. Um, Speaking of retail, Carl Icahn is making a big bet against mall operators. This, according to The Wall Street Journal, um, one that could reportedly net him $400 million or more if he is right. Now, it might seem like a smart call with store closures this year already at record levels, but it's not one that's paid off for others who've made that very same bet. Check out the chart of the CNBX at a six, which tracks mall operator debt. It's actually one of the riskier tranches of the debt. Icon would make money if this index drops. That hasn't paid off so far in 2019. But could things be about to change? Let's bring in James Sullivan, Managing Director of Equity Research at BTIG. Jim, great to have you with us. Good to be here. Why haven't all these sort of ingredients of mall stress added up to stress for the debt and stress for the mall operators? Well, I think uh, uh, where the stress has occurred is in the equity market. So owners of B malls have gotten killed over the last couple of years, and, you know, very good reason. When retailers are closing stores, they're closing stores in B malls. They're opening stores or keeping stores in A malls. And uh, when they want to renegotiate leases, it's easier in a B mall than in an A mall. So, you know, generally speaking, the B malls have seen a lot of damage, and this goes back uh, three to four years. And it really uh, began when, when Sears began to accelerate the store closings. So it's been, um, it's been a difficult trade for the equity markets. In the debt markets, on an individual asset basis, we've seen 
mall owners hand back the keys, as they say, on certain assets. So we've seen that happen. But in this CMBX 6, as we understand it, the coverage ratios are basically pretty good. Um, this is a trade that has some casualties. We've had Alder Hill that took yeah. a very big position and was marketing their position on the street. And obviously they got some adherence and uh, Alder Hill had to close down. Um, the, the losses were, were too big. That was a fairly small hedge fund. Icon obviously has credibility and he has deep pockets. Um, uh, he's a billionaire. We're not. At least I'm not. And so it's a trade that I think has gotten the attention of people and you know, it's been, he's been in this trade for a couple of months, but we had, you know, a big feature article today in the journal yeah. highlighted. What would, um, would the timing be better uh, from this point on, given we have the holiday shopping season and potential closures on the other side? Well, we've had a lot of closures already this yeah. year. Uh, and between now and the end of the year, are we going to have another retailer fail? It's tough, tough to call that. But, you know, Forever 21 was a major, a major Chapter 11 filing. When they filed, they had 500 stores in the U.S. They said they were going to close 200. They closed half of that. They closed 90, 9,500 stores. Uh, the other 100 stores, they renegotiated the leases. So um, we're seeing troubled retailers who maybe have a chance at reorganizing, being able to renegotiate their, their terms with, you know, with the mall owners. The A-mall players are generally, in spite of what people have characterized as a retail apocalypse, occupancy rates have been pretty steady. Um, rental rate growth with uh, uh, retailers like an L Brands or a Cheesecake Factory have been fine, um, but they have had to give concessions to the weaker retailers, and the result is that the internal growth rate is a little bit lower than people have expected, but it's growth. Um, and for a debt holder, from a credit standpoint, the metrics are pretty good, and that's what the, the people who are long or the institutions that are long CMBX 6 are looking at. Let me ask you, if rates move up, what does that do to Icon? I mean, I would think, assume it would help Icon's trade because you have uh, cap rates for property values going down and interest, you know, servicing would be more expensive. How much would rates need to move? Well, I think that, that rates along? going up really cut both ways. Um, if rates are rising because retail sales are rising and consumer health is good, then that's, that's going to be, you know, should be an offsetting positive. Um, the rates on the CMBX are pretty much fixed. So um, uh, to the extent that it's going to impact the refinancing of the debt, that's an issue. So in really close calls, sure, there can be an asset or two that might have a problem. But will the entire tranche get killed in that kind of environment? I don't think so. Um, so um, and, and so far, bets on rising rates haven't, you know, so far they've been misplaced, um, is the way I would put it. So, um, you know, I think CMBX issue, it's been painful. It's, there's casualties. There may be more. Mm-hmm. And just as there are billionaires like Icon making that bet, there are billionaires like Buffett making the long bet right. with a company like Saratage. All right. Uh, Jim, thank you. Jim Sullivan of BTIG. What do you say on this sort of... So, I feel like we, we talk about this sort of trade every few years. Yeah, we do. And, <laughs> just, and his point is well taken that people have tried and failed. Yeah. And maybe, Carl, is it the timing? I think I can't get inside his head, but I think Mr. Icon looks at it and says, well... These equities have gotten crushed. Where can I take advantage of it? I mean, like if Tanger Outlet, SKT, was a $43 stock a year and a half, two years ago, it's trading 15 now, with a 50% short interest. So people have done well shorting the equities. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to do well with the debt. And maybe the real play, is, and again, I, I can't get inside his head, maybe the real play is buying some of these things that have just gotten taken out to the woodshed for the inevitable short covering rally that we've seen in just about everything of that magnitude. All right. Coming up, Pot Stock's coming back to life today after what an analyst said one name in the space was about to light up. We'll discuss that. Plus, Tesla gearing up to unveil its new cyber truck this week. We'll tell you how options traders are betting the announcement could move the stock. We've got much more Fast Money right after this.
Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out shares of Canopy Growth. Fired up today, rising more than 15% after Bank of America upgraded the stock to a buy. Analysts saying that the worst may be over for this cannabis company, and Canopy wasn't the only one. Several pot stocks following it into the green to end the day. This comes after a grueling few months for the space. Kronos, Tilray, Canopy, Acreage Holdings, all down big. So is this cannabis craze getting relit? We should note that Cureleaf had earnings out. They were good. That helped, certainly. Um, Tepper, what do you say? Yeah, I don't know that it's getting relit right now. I mean, I think it's uh, <laughs> it's Canopy's definitely seen a very nice rally up about 30 percent over the course of the last two sessions after selling off last week after earnings. Um, but I think there's really two ways to play the, the cannabis market right now. There's the single way that we're playing it for clients. That is, you know, playing it through Constellation brands. So you have the beer business keeping you afloat. Mm-hmm. And then you have the call option on Canopy Growth if, you know, this is ever federally legalized. And our home run option is Green Thumb. So Green Thumb's a multi-state operator. They're only utilizing a quarter of their licenses right now. So they could easily quadruple revenues and have 30% margins over the course of the next two to three years. The house seems to be moving closer to federal legalization. Wouldn't that hurt Green Thumb? It would, but I don't think it's, that's actually going to happen. We're expecting 2024 for the legalization. If it happens sooner, yes, it could hurt him. Yeah. GW Farmers, the pure play. I mean, at its round turn, you go back to December 2019, $93 stock traded almost 200 right back now. If you're looking for a pure play, that's it. And it's interesting Mr. Tepper mentioned the synthetic play on the back of it. I'm not going to tease my final trade, but oh. he was inside my head. Synthet- you mean Constellation. Uh, you know, that, w- that just... Now I'm going to change... Wait, wait, I'm that was change- what, that that was the clue? I'm going to change my final... The clue is what Mr. Tucker mentioned. He mentioned two stocks. I mean, that's not a clue. It was a, it was a clue. Anyway, shot it was like the movie Clue. It's a great clue, movie. Now I'm going to change. clue I've ever heard of. <laughs> Coming up, it was a rocky road for Tesla shares today, but we'll tell you why options traders are betting the stock is about to kick into high gear. Plus, take a look at the Kramer Cam, Jim is talking with the CEO of Pager Duty, which made its public debut earlier this year. Catch the full interview, top of the hour on Mad Money. We are live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Much more fast money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Take a look at shares of Tesla. Six months ago, that stock barely above 200 bucks. Since then, the electric automaker has soared more than 70% and cracked 350 bucks a share. Tesla is unveiling its new electric pickup truck tomorrow, dubbed the Cybertruck by Elon Musk. And options traders are betting the big reveal could be another big pick-me-up for the, for the stock. Mike Coe is in San Francisco with the action. Hey, Mike. Hi there. Yeah, so the options market right now is implying a move of about 3.7% in Tesla shares between now and the close the day after tomorrow. That's a wider range, actually, than the stock has seen over the last five trading days. The most active options were the weekly 360 calls. Over 10,500 of those traded for an average price of about $5. Obviously, buyers of those calls are betting that the stock is going to rise above that $360 strike price by at least the $5 that they paid. That would actually push the stock into territory that it hasn't seen since December of 2018. And when we think about what could propel Tesla shares higher or lower, lower light-duty truck sales seem like the one possible area that's obviously the most profitable sector for the U.S. auto industry. Um, did anybody see this new Porsche EV that was unveiled, the light blue one that Phil was standing yeah, in front beautiful. of? Yeah. It's a beautiful car. Beautiful. Very nice. Beautiful yeah. car. And it's been a threat for a long time, and Phil's brought this up many times, talked about... But now it's going to be on sale next and, year. And now how it's much out is that, yep. How much will that... I, I, that I don't know. That I don't know. <laughs> Model S competitor, right? Yep. Potentially. Yeah. The Taycan. Yeah, the Taycan. I, I, yeah, no, I know you're an enthusiast, Mike, so... <laughs> 
What did you think of the car? I am. I'm a former Porsche owner. The Taycan is a phenomenal car. Obviously, they were trying to find something that's a little bit of a hybrid between the Model S and the 911. And that car is about as fast as the Model S, but it is more expensive and actually a fully outfitted Turbo S. Turbo being a little bit of a misnomer since it doesn't have an a uh, normal engine, so it doesn't really have a turbo, is going to be over $200,000. Oh, over two hundred. Oh, that's a wow. big difference. Yeah. That yeah. and an S. See where he got... dropped in the form yeah. of Porsche on? I mean, yeah. that's <laughs> a very 80s. Is it? Like, well, I mean, look, I mean, I mean. He's a uh, he probably looked shaker, great. Probably had like the ascot on, right? <laughs> little driving hat, the gloves. gloves. All rig. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Mike. Mike, good to see you. Uh, we'll see you Friday for more Options Action. Tune into our live show. That's Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, Final Trades. Final Trade Time, Pete. Restoration Hardware has had some calls buying that expire this week. They say it's going up. I think they're right. Giddy up. Mark Tepper. Salesforce is approaching new all-time highs. It looks like it's ready for a breakout. They've had some really strong quarters, but the stock hasn't reacted well. I expect it to react better. Chairwoman. Yes. So Home Depot price for perfection going into the quarter. It was a tad disappointing, but I think the third day rule applies here. Tomorrow will be day three. I like Home Depot. Key. Hi there. So you had this whole yeah. thing I had this whole about scheme in my head, yeah. and then, and then you, you messed it up on me. So my, I went to phase two. Quest Diagnostics <laughs> comes out DGX. Jim Kramer with Mad Money starts right now. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.